0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America
1: NA member FDIC. Greetings, everyone. This is Brian Reisman. Welcome to Side Jams. For over 30 years, German power metal band Blind Guardian have enthralled audiences with their epic sound, Tolkien inspired lyrics, and the majestic vocals of frontman Hansi Kirsch. Recently, the singer and his bandmate, guitarist Andre Olbrich, collaborated with the Prague Film Harmonic Orchestra and Choir to form the Blind Guardian Twilight Orchestra and record the new album, Legacy of the Dark Lands. It's an impressive orchestral work that is refreshingly different from their usual metallic bombast, yet still sits comfortably within their fantasy-based repertoire. Beyond that, Kirsch's power metal project Demons and Wizards, done in collaboration with iced-earth guitarist John Schaefer. Toured America for the first time last summer and finally have a third studio album due out this February. So, when he actually has free time, what does Hansi do for fun? For episode 10 of Side Jams, we chatted via Skype to discuss his obsession with collecting 7 inch vinyl singles to plan his jukebox, along with his love for movies and books. Touring the world certainly gives Hansi an opportunity to collect plenty of music. Now, Hansi and I have done many interviews over the years, both here and abroad, and it was refreshing to chat with him about his non-metal interests. As our call begins, he mentions how his Skype avatar has mysteriously become a blank space. Are strange forces at work here?
2: I still have a have a blank.
1: I don't know what's going on. That's okay. I, I, th- I think I remember what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You yeah. do. How oh, are you? I'm good. I think the last time I saw you was what, around 2015? I would, yeah, exactly, in New York. Yeah, you were touring um, with Gravedigger,
2: right? The Webster Hall. Yeah,
1: yeah that's right. And we were—I uh, think we were upstairs. I didn't realize that the um, dressing room was right, basically above the stage. We we're trying to have a conversation while they're cranking out some, you know, yeah. yeah. Heavy
2: metal. I, I recall that terrible, terrible, terrible. Yeah, but um, it, good talking to you now. Even though I just have that blank image here, uh, whatever it is.
1: This blank avatar. Yeah, that's okay. That's all right. So anyway, I mean, you know, this side jams is about people's hobbies and outside passions. And so i trying to figure out what did you want to talk about in terms of that? I mean, obviously beyond the Blind Guardian stuff and your love for Tolkien and everything else.
2: I mean, for sure, it would be vinyl. I, I have a jukebox. And what else am I into? Books, you know, movies, obviously. I mean, there are serious more than movies at the moment. The last big movie I saw in the cinema was the second uh, part of it. And that was surprisingly really, really good. I was really stunned by that one. I did not like the first one so much. So, really? This was. I, I didn't like the first one. I liked the old one uh, from what was it?
1: 1990. Is it? Yeah, is it 90, 19- 1990. Yeah, with Tim Curry. Okay,
2: 1990, right. Uh, that one I loved. Uh, you know, it it was, you know, what it was. It was done for TV. So the expectations aren't that high then for a movie which is coming to the cine- uh, cinema. But the first one I, with the focus only on the children, I, I was really, really not disappointed, but I was not thrilled by that. I liked, obviously, the appearance of, of it, of Pennywise. Yeah. But... Uh, That didn't save the movie for me So I I went in for for the second part And did not expect a lot But that over the last years Has been one of the best movies I've seen
1: It's funny because I think I like the first one More than the second one Although what's really weird is I saw it twice Because a friend of mine took me to a a SAG screening That actually had uh, Bill Skarsgård And James McAvoy there but the first time I saw it, this woman sitting next to me I was like laughing through a lot of it because I guess you see, there wasn't scared. She thought it was so ridiculous. She thought it was a comedy. It was kind of really weird because she was the only person in the theater doing that, and I had to be sitting right next to her. Oh. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> and when she went to the bathroom, I could tell it was only her because then it got quiet again. Like her friends were kind of, weren't that thrilled with it, but it was just, it was just kind of, a, it's a weird experience. I mean, do you prefer to see movies in the theater or do you prefer to watch them at home?
2: In the theater, but I barely ever have the chance if I see like, Two or three a year—that's a good year already. Uh, I, I like that so much more. I cannot even tell you. It's a, a big difference um, in the way I perceive a movie. You know, yeah. in the way it is lifestyle. I mean, it, it really does something. It's—it is not a theater with with actors, but it's still a theater, and um, there is social movement combined to it so you know you need to go there you speak to people you make appointments and all that stuff makes it different already but also the way a movie appears on big screens you know even if you have the biggest tv which i don't have you know my screen is big but not that big um right it does make a difference so uh, i prefer that for sure
1: yeah you know i like Seeing things on a big screen, it sort of depends on the audience. I'm not really a big fan of modern audiences because I find that people, uh, they have their phones or they're restless. You know, it's it was odd, actually, though, is I think that in some ways, people that are older are ruder than people that are younger. I mean, you have a lot of idiots who are younger who just want to want to text, but they don't seem to do that as much as older people like to talk through movies. It's kind of weird. There's a chain that's been growing slowly in America called Alamo Drafthouse. And their rule is is that you are, if you are bothering people with your talk, you're not supposed to talk. So if you bother somebody, you can be given a warning. And after one warning, they can boot you out, cool. which is that's really right. interesting.
2: Yeah, it sounds like a very, very nice interaction. Oh, I would love to see that. Here in Germany, the, the movie I've been in, Cinemax, it's also a chain. Um, I, I think they're suffering. They're suffering a lot. All of them are. I mean, it's not the easiest life for a business like that in no. the moment. Which I do not understand, you know, if still, I believe that people would prefer that instead of, you know, watching whatever Netflix, Amazon Prime at home. I mean, there are a few pros for that as well, but it's, it's still a difference, as said. So I'm, I'm really surprised. For, like in the record industry, yeah. this industry is suffering as well.
1: I think part of the problem is just the cost, and, you know, movies are getting more expensive. It's like Broadway shows. I mean, I, I cover a lot of Broadway shows, so I get free tickets, but the pair of tickets I'm often getting is probably worth 300 350 bucks, 350 and cool. I can't imagine the average person paying that. There are a lot of people that do. I met a couple with their two kids at one show, and they told me they come in once a year because they went to see Matilda. This was maybe four or five years ago, and it, it, the four seats cost them just shy of $900, Wow. So yeah it's really amazing. And movies, you know, movies aren't aren't that crazy. I mean, you know, in New York City you're going to spend 15 to 17 dollars I think depending upon you know like an evening screening. But yeah, it gets expensive and concessions get expensive. What and while in one sense I really do like the whole recliner thing and you have more space and then people aren't going to kick your seat. In the other sense, you know, that means there are less seats in some theaters, which mean, that means the cost is going to go up. And also, I don't know, it's, it's weird. It's like there was a great quote, and I forget who said this. I, I think I might have brought this up before in another podcast. But there was one critic from like 25 years ago that said, you know, home video didn't bring the theater experience home. It brought the home experience to the theater. Okay. <laughs> So what we're talking about people, you know, people eating a lot and talking and not, I, I get when people want to make little comments, but I, I do like to, I like to be absorbed in it. I mean, it's fun to watch it with an audience. I saw the Star Wars The Force Awakens with you know, opening night in New York City, and that was, the energy there was crazy.
2: Was it a positive energy? That that would be my question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, well, it was, because it was always all the fanboys and fangirls. I mean, they were all freaking out. Any Anytime somebody from the original franchise came out, they were all cheering, and they were really into it.
0: Yeah.
2: Well I
1: really liked the movies and I'm a supporter
2: of the old trilogy, of course. Yeah. But I, I like the, the mid-trilogy to say so and what I saw from, from the new ones. I'm I'm not that disgusted and disappointed than, <laughs> than many of my friends are. I mean, like Marcus for instance, that's not even worth a talk, you know. He really hates the movies. he, he doesn't like it at all. Many people, you know, they, they didn't like Han, which I also liked. On the other hand, you know, Rogue One is still acceptable for most of the traditionalists. And that was one I yeah. was not so much into. I, I really? thought it was okay, but yeah, I, I didn't like the final movements of the movie. Of course, it does make sense since, you know, all everyone who has been involved is supposed to die because many good people died to, you know, to get that information. Exactly. Uh, but on the other hand, the way some of them died was just, you know, not appealing to me, to, to say it that way. I, I thought it mm. was more like, like a Western movie or, you know, a uh, heroic movie. So I, I didn't like these movements, uh, a lot of them. And um, I, I still think it was an entertaining movie. But um, I, I really liked Force Awakens. I mean, I, I didn't have any problems with it. There are some cheesy aspects, yes, sure, yeah. in everything in every star wars movie there are gcs <laughs> aspects and after you know star wars 1 2 3 um, what do you expect any director to do i mean they they need to go back you know and and fish something from from the uh, original trilogy to to capture the attention of but course. that was not that was not accepted either i mean there were so many great ideas in uh, star wars 1 2 3 the ideology and philosophy in there was maybe even stronger than, you know, in the original
1: trilogy. Is there any, any German cinema you're, you're particularly fond of right now? Any either classics or recent releases?
2: There is an old one, if I'm not mistaken. The guy is called Wolfgang Mengen. Okay. He, he did a movie in the 70s. There's one which, you know, is called uh, Smog. You know what Smog is? What is it? Smog is um, when it's air pollution in winter. Okay. It's, it's you. You cannot breathe because there's so much snow and it's so cloudy that if there's a lot of industry, coal industry, oh, right, right, you know, right. all, all the pollution, you know, steals the oxygen basically. And that is one of the movies he did. And the other one is um, I'm almost sure that, that he has been before Stephen King. It's like like the Running Man story. It's is really great German movie, very entertaining, with a comedian. Being the bad guy, being the assassin in there, right. but um, I, I cannot recall the name. I, I will drop you a, ma- a mail and tell you Great. what what the movie is called. Like this, yeah. I saw out of the newer ones. I, I doubt I saw anyone which really attracted me.
1: Now you you also said that you have a do you have a vinyl jukebox?
2: Yeah, I, I have a Walitzer.
1: Really so this is forty fives.
2: That's forty fives that uh, give space to 50 45ers. Wow, and uh, I bought it some years back. It, it was one of these passions, you know, with, like an addiction. And luckily, my wife shared that as well. So, um, years and years back, you know, that's maybe the most luxurious thing I have in my, my whole house uh, is that fairly new uh, jukebox. And I'm playing it, you know, and I'm still collecting all this wow. stuff when I toured the states uh, we went to many record shops and uh, i tried to get as many black seven inches as possible
1: how many singles do you have vinyl singles do you have at this point
2: uh, starting six years ago i, I think around a thousand maybe wow it's not, it's not so easy to get them nowadays they really vanished because it's different than um, and long players where yeah, you'll albums. get a lot of used ones you don't get any new ones which fit into the uh, uh, jukebox because I, I need the, the big gap and um, basically wherever I'm at I'm looking for rock stuff and I'm not too picky so I, I take everything from metal to nice sounding Chicago whatever music so rock music or and maybe even Madonna you know, that is something which is supposed to be in a jukebox as well, but it's still difficult to, to get the stuff. The good
1: stuff. So you can basically be your own Spotify and create your own algorithms.
2: Yes, I do. <laughs> Manually. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not getting lost because fifty is still an overviewable amount. Um Spotify and all that stuff just kills me completely. I've, I'm I'm really losing view. I just realized that I was the master of every vinyl record shop. I, I was really you know, able um, to, to capture the amount of albums in such a store. So if you knew a store after a while, you okay. knew the whole inventory. But I never managed to do that with CDs already. So when I went to a larger CD store, that was impossible. I'm losing view there. And, and with losing view, I'm losing... The brain to really focus myself on the stuff I want to buy. So I'm I'm really getting lost. That that happened with cities already. And now with the digital medias and the streaming, it's impossible for me. You know, if I open yeah. my iMusic, I already have forgotten what I want to listen to. And, you know, if I'm really pushing myself, then I'm ending up with the obvious ones. Like, OK, I listen to Led Zeppelin again or... I don't know, Jeff Rotel, right. you know the stuff I'm listening to basically. But I will not find something new, for sure not. And basically, if I bought a new album, then I at least listen to it once. But now with the opportunities I'm having, if I'm listening to, let's say, a new album, I'm not that interested in. I stop listening to it. I'm mean, not like the young people after 15 seconds or 30 seconds, yeah. but after one and a half songs, two songs. And I may not revisit it again because, you know, to, so much more to discover, which I don't discover because, as I said, I'm, I have lost the view. What are some of your most prized 45s? I mean, apart from, from the really old stuff, the the the, the 50s and 60s stuff, um, if you want to get that in a mint condition and not in a reprint, then, then it goes beyond. I mean, a good Johnny Cash also, I would guess. In between 30 and 100 bucks for sure. If you want to have a quality 90s single, like let's say No Rain from Blind Melon, right. I don't think that you will get that under yeah, 20, 25.
1: And those are in your collection?
2: Uh, yes, I have uh, most of the stuff I, I need. I have like Soundgarden stuff and uh, Blind Melon. So most of the stuff from the '90s, which really attracted me, I have. But there's also pop music. Sometimes I I really need my wife for that. Then uh, I don't even know the names about from the '90s because the '90s for me obviously also have been a metal decade. So I'm yeah so into to what was really going on there. But but there's some some interesting more innovative innovative stuff which you know it's it's hard to get on seven inch.
1: Is there anything that you're still looking for?
2: Uh, holiday in Cambodia, the Kennedys. Yes. Interesting. I, I was chasing for that and I saw it a couple of times
1: on eBay, but
2: uh, I, I never had a
1: chance to get that one. With the records all stacked like that in the jukebox, do they get scratched a lot or is it they manage to stay in decent shape? I've always wondered that actually.
2: I'm not exactly sure how it happens that the jukebox uh, s- um, seven inches you you might want to buy or you might buy you know for for low prices are in such a bad shape. If I play it on mine, I don't see any reason why it should be more hurt than on a regular turntable so far. Even if they're stacked up, yeah. Even if they're stacked up, it's it's more like the, the procedure of getting them to the turntable. Right. You know, the stacking up, they are still separated. Um, but I believe it is, you know, this analog technical arm picking it from the the the, the basket case it is in yeah. and putting it on the turntable. That might create the damages. And um, five years is not a long time. And you know, I'm listening to it like twice a week, maybe, and then for an hour or so. Some the vinyl in there is still in good shape, and I've obviously uh, changed it a lot of times because. You know, yeah, 50, fifty singles is not that much. Then, so after a while, you get tired. Even though I have to say, like five to ten of them, they always stay in. Like, uh, there's like, I love rock and roll from John Jet, for example. The right. song I probably would not listen to on, you know, i, um, I Music or on right. on a regular uh, occasion, but it belongs to the turntable. And you know when. Starting the turntable, I listen to a song like that. Uh, um, I don't know what the name of the uh, vocalist is. Let's have a party, That 50 songs needs I... to be in there. You know, and, and stuff like that. So
1: it, it, I I still end up with the same songs a lot of times. Probably sounds great on the jukebox, too, with larger speakers. And Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It sounds like a small
2: PA. So if I really crank it up and um, I'm enjoying... Listening to it loud, obviously, uh, and I go up, you know, it, it still sounds full and rich on the next basement, on the next level. Yeah. And when being in the room, you, you get a little more because of the analog sound, anyway, of a band playing, you know. So the snare has a certain sound which it does not have on a regular turntable and it does not have in a digital version. Um, so stuff like this really becomes more vivid and more enjoyable but yeah with uh with the habits when having nowadays on the other hand fifty singles, which means one hundred songs is not a lot.
1: you and I are both culture vultures in a sense that we I think we both like to absorb a lot of things, movies and music and books you're you're a collector like me
2: oh i I would say so and i'm 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 just always so amazed to see that when on tour everyone is everyone everyone in who's around with me you know is like that we are going to comic stores i I barely buy anything there apart from batman stuff and that's usually for my son right but but all these guys have at least one habit one addiction like this for sure and uh i i need to have it then you know and um it is a passion. I mean, <laughs> I don't allow myself a lot of other things, but um, this I need, yes.
1: It's tricky. I mean, like, I, I collect a lot of comic books, and I've been trying to read stuff, and I realize, you know, I'm just not going to have the time to do this now. Like, I uh, I, I've, I, have all, I have a huge movie collection. I've abused my privileges. I've gotten a ton of free stuff over the years. I mean, I'm a very physical product kind of guy, but a lot of people, even our age, a lot of people are not.
2: Yeah, I don't know how they did that, you know, how, how the switch worked. Um, it has not worked for me so so far. Um with regard to my situation, being a little older than you, it's a little different. When my wife and I talk about it, it's simply where to store it. Is it the basement? Or does it go up to the attic directly? Or, you know, do we really need it at all? Yes, and of course, all the CDs and all the DVD stuff, you you do not want to get rid of. And what you told about the comics, I have the same with books, and that's at least for the last 20 years. I have so many books in my shelves and uh, at the attic and in the yeah. basement, which I need to read. But I know if things are not changing drastically up to the age of 70, 75, where to- I am talking already, yeah. um, I wouldn't have the time to do so. And I'm just happy if, you know, something really catches my attention so drastically that I cannot avoid starting reading it directly. Like the uh, um, stormlight, Archives written by Brandon Sanderson. I'm not sure if you into fantasy literature that much. A little bit. That's the big big thing at the moment, you know. And once you start reading his stuff, you are hooked on, and you will not stop until you have read everything.
1: That's the thing, and I mean, it's it's interesting crossing over into books because books is another thing on top of we were talking about. You know, we're talking about music and movies, but books is another area where you can really, you can get into it. And then there's like, there's different printings of a book. There's different uh, yes. covers. I like to buy the older version of a book because you, you see the type, the heck of font that they were using back then. And you see the artwork. And, it, and to me, all of this stuff, whether it's watching an old movie, listening to an old album, reading an old book, you know, on top of all the new stuff we're absorbing, the older stuff, it's like that's as close as you can get to time travel. Because you're experiencing something the way it was packaged and the way it looked and it felt to people back then.
2: Yeah, but there is, you know, especially in the book industry, I think uh, the designers there, they they have a good hand in giving you some nostalgia even if you buy new products. Right. I like to buy old stuff as well, but um, I, I'm really tempted to buy new stuff whenever I go to England or the States. I mean – In Germany, I have to say, we're lacking a little bit there. Um, I think our designs are not as good as the English or the American ones. Let's say, you know, my wife is a big uh, fan of Agatha Christie. Right. And you can almost say annually there's a new version of, you know, her whole collection. And they always look like, you know... You want to have them because they look like they are 50 60 years old just by the design and uh, yeah that catches me all the time and it does with her so we always end up with a lot of new books and the new books are old books not only because of the looking but also because of the simple reason we already have them like three or four times in different (laughs) versions. I I cannot tell you how many versions of the Lord of the Rings I have and even nowadays you know when i'm on the road someone comes by be it with the books or with the comic books uh you know i, I just get them <laughs> in several different editions and you know i like having them of course
1: well you know the collecting thing is very tricky i mean it will i mean as far as books i was going to say that you know agatha christie is one thing because she has this history like i love i love this british sci-fi author named john brunner But a lot of Mm -hmm. his stuff's out of print now. So I have to go to like a store like the last bookstore in LA or Strand bookstore in New York or wherever. And I have to, I do find the older printings. And occasionally they had multiple printings. So I try to pick the cover that I like the best. But I mean, I know you with Tolkien, obviously, there's that big obsession. So you're going to want to have different things. I've never really done as much of that because I just don't have the room either. (laughs) Yeah,
2: who has? As I said, uh, it's basement, attic, or, you know, any other place. I have a big storage room um, with a Blank Guardian studio. So, um, this is where I can put some stuff as well. But, you know, do I really want to have it, you know, stored somewhere? I I basically want to look at it from time to time. But with all the stuff, it's really difficult. And the product which is suffering the most, I have to say, is DVDs. You know, we hardly have any DVDs available in our house directly and you know put them into the dvd player that is the easiest for me to you know get rid of without feeling a little bit of anxiety and uh, depression by losing it or just putting it somewhere where where no one can look at it so my obsession definitely goes more for for cds and vinyl and then uh, regular books my son is the same with comics so but he has his own department, so, and he's still young, so
1: um, he will have to deal with his problems, let's say, in 10 years from now. I guess for collectors like us, it is hard to say goodbye to certain things. I don't know why that is. I, I don't know, Do you find that you attach certain things like a book or an album or a movie to a, a part of your life, and therefore it brings a nostalgic factor in there as well as liking whatever it is?
2: Well, I cannot scratch it like this um i just feel that i cannot let go that's that's for sure i can let go with many things um but with these particular collector's item we're talking about it it seems to be impossible for sure i have that connection you you mentioned with vinyl you know it's like there's even the combination, like, let's say there is an album like Awaken the Guardian by Fitzwarning.
1: Warning, yeah. especially
2: on vinyl. I listened to that when I was reading this particular book, so these two things are connected already, and they are connected to me, and by that, I will have problems to let any of it go. You know, I, I need to keep it together, because it's like a union for me. It's something which gives me strength and encourages me to to go you know, even further but um, at, at other things I would not necessarily relate them to a certain time unless there are memories connected as mentioned
1: it's, it's interesting, I mean and there's some people I know that don't collect very much at all, I mean I remember being in uh, someone's apartment and they literally had no books no albums uh, no movies out anywhere they had a big TV, I don't think they spent a lot of time at home but I just sat there going, that's just weird. Like, there's no art in here.
2: With regard to that, be it the book itself, which has the soul, maybe it's the soul you put in there, you know. It's it's a piece of you, that's for sure. Um, yeah. And if these people haven't even started yet, you know, what does it mean? Uh, do they have feng shui souls from the beginning and, you know, they... They just understand the philosophy and ideology behind it. And so they keep themselves minimized to a very small amount of things which, you know, have that value for them. I, I do not know. But uh, yeah, I, I feel it's bizarre if you do not have that fetish. I, you know, my my wife is pretty much into Feng Shui, but she, but she still is a collector. And she totally understands that you cannot let things just, you know, to go out of your life without having them explored a couple of times and really putting it under consideration. I mean, I still have boxes full of books and comics. You know, yeah. where you know maybe mice is living are living in there right now up at the attic. But you know, I cannot get rid of them. I I don't want to sell them at a flea market. I don't want to even go to the flea market and sell the stuff. Instead, I would go there and you know maybe find another sort of seven-inch of David Bowie's Space Oddity or so, and I would buy it there. So I would gain the stock, but it is really hard for me to get rid of that stuff. And I'm not a messy, and neither is, you know, my house. My house is <laughs> very well organized, and yeah. there's a, I, I need space. I, I certainly need space um, for living. So I understand people who really have a clear mind and not too much disorganization, disorgana- but there need to be these uh, treasure chests where you still can, you know, get in and maybe it's it's a room, it's an attic, whatever, but uh, there needs to be a place where you can, you know, g- g- dig in and find stuff which you might be interested in at the moment. When it comes to musical equipment, for example, you know, I'm really, really not the kind of guy who wants to keep everything. That's, you know, not my pair of shoes. But André, right. for example, he cannot give anything away like he he still holds the stuff from from the very early 80s you know when we started making music and wow computer system be it I don't know any analog system he he held it all in his cellar and you know he can actually establish a museum with it I would assume but that never had a value for me and yeah. Other people, you know, have other passions. So I totally understand that. And if, you know, dating a girl for the first time, you know, I would hide a lot of my obsessions. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. But, you know, some things need to be clarified from the beginning, but others you can hold back for a while, I think. I I was just lucky, as you said.
1: So now outside of the Tolkien stuff that I know you love, is there any, any sort of fantasy book or series that you'd recommend people check out that you love? I mentioned
2: Stormlight Archives by Brendan Sanderson. Right. That is really, really amazing. That's great writing, uh, very, very innovative fantasy story. Even more innovative, uh, a little karma in the writing is uh, Patrick Rothfuss. Uh-huh. I think the um, the book he's working on is it's a trilogy, and he has published two parts of the trilogy. It's called the I think it's the Kingslayer trilogy. And uh, the books I read, I think one is called The Name of the Wind and The Fear of the Wise, I think. All right. But, uh, you know, I, I just keep the, the German titles in mind. So they, they might be a little different. But I think it was The Name of the Wind and The, the Fear of the Wise Man or The Fear of the Wise. And uh, th- these are really high fantasy stories, having a new approach in, in storytelling. And I, I really loved that.
1: You know, maybe we should do in like six months. We'll check back and see how much farther we've got into like our collections. See if we've actually made any headway. If it's like, yeah, still that. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, good luck. Thank you. Same to you. Well, thanks. That was uh, that was fun. It was, Brian. Yeah, you and I like stuff.
2: Yep, there is no doubt. But I, as I said last time, there's so many people like us I'm in the business. It's really unbelievable when being on the road and seeing that everyone, everyone has passion a crush on something it's, it's really relieving to know that we are not alone
1: that wraps up this latest episode of side jams please join me for the next installment which will feature iranian vocalist and sound sculptor asama lee the tunes used in this episode are from fox and the law and i licensed them through AudioSocket. as always thank you very much for listening